Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Udang Damang Sangang Namasami very deep-rooted obstacles or views is uh, it's called a view it's not exactly an opinion it's more like a bias or a persuasion in a persuasion of the heart <coughs> it's towards <coughs> non-becoming or to, to non-existence or to not having things or to not being something or to getting rid of things it's called vibhava so you know we have this it's an underlying persuasion, something you should get rid of. You know, it's all impure, or um, you know, you're too much of something, so you should be less of that. And all those things you have that you shouldn't have, things you, you know, so that kind of experience we have, along with the opposite, which is there's something lacking that we should have. So there's an underlying persuasion so that we need to be some missing bit that we haven't got right now. You know, these bhava, that which wants to have something more or become something, or and then we bhava, that which wants to get rid of something. Now these are sort of slightly seem to kind of slightly strange to see these as obstacles because some way you think, well, that's true, isn't it? Surely there's something, you know, got all these kind of weird ideas and funny feelings and thoughts and terrible, you know, instincts. I should try and clear those. And then beautiful things like mindfulness and clarity and samadhi and concentration, those are things I really want to have more of. That's the way it should be, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, those are beautiful states. And the not having the others is, is certainly a weight off the mind. But it's actually how one goes about it, really. You know, how one goes about it. Mm. The kind of uh, qualities one needs to foster and the attitudes one needs to in- encourage to, in order to allow this, uh, these things to shift so that the, the good and the pure and the beautiful becomes more apparent and the confused and the tangled up and the messed up sort of starts to resolve itself. Mm. And it certainly is said through causing minds, certain mind states to become. So there is a sense of becoming, but it's very much how we develop particular or foster or encourage particular uh, mental factors. It's not really a personal thing. You have to be something, but you have to be more attentive. (laughs) So it's not really a becoming something, it's a doing something. Look at it more like that. There's things we need to do. Not something we have to be, but there's something we should keep doing. One of the fundamental things we need to keep doing is paying attention. So you don't become attentive, you just learn to pay more attention. You know, <laughs> it's an activity. It's a skillful karma, and you don't put more energy into 
wasting your time <clears throat> running around in circles, um, going to these self-destruct programs that we can spend a lot of time dwelling in guilt, fear, regret, recriminations, doubts, that we just kind of eat away sense of wholeness or balance or contentment. Mm. Don't need to keep doing that. So there's, there's the application of, of right effort. And right effort is to uphold what's pure, what's really good, and to look after it, to protect it, to take care of that, and also to to ward off that which is which is unskillful, and to check and see how you know how we keep that how we keep away from that, and we know our addictive tendencies, our compulsive tendencies. You know, you know, you don't go there anymore. <clears throat> So this is something you can see on a kind of very mostly surface level. If you know you've got a weak spot, you know you don't you don't go down the pub, or you don't go you don't start talking about certain topics. You think I'm not going to talk about that because I just get very negative and crabby. You know, don't do myself any good. Um, so you see the situations where unskillful states where you tumble into unskillful states. This is the kind of ongoing practice, the right effort. But it's not about becoming something, it's just about uh, something in the future, it's about acting in the present, particular skillful actions in the present. Hmm? It's not about not being something, it's just about not doing something. So there's a different thing because it's a difference between uh, the correct view, which is of karma, and the incorrect view, which is of self. So when we really begin to acknowledge or bear in mind this, this anatta, not self-teaching, we realize there's really nobody to become something. There's nobody here who's got something. There's nobody here who's, you know, who's has to be, you know, shouldn't be like this. But there are actions that can be that are doing it that are not conducive to realization, so we check those out, pay attention. When you wanted to keep doing this, and you know, and you begin to see when this is how some of these uh, compulsive tendencies, actions, and how they generate a sense of self. So it's not that I keep doing something, but actions keep creating me. Certain compulsive actions, psychological actions, defensiveness or impulsiveness or, uh, you know, or fearfulness or guiltiness, you know, or whatever, you know, people be very good. It could be sometimes, um, um, you know, generosity or... Estim- overestimation or underestimation, these particular actions, which are called sankharas, their activities, then often activities we seem to have no say over. They're just happening. And they get so familiar that it feels like me, because it's been going on for years. <laughs> so that's who I am. You know? So the actions create the sense of the person rather than the person doing these actions. This is how, you know, you've got to get it the right way around, because if it's the person doing the action, you think, oh dear, I'm not really good at this, and I'm always like that, and I shouldn't be this way, and then I've got to be like this. Then you get into this bhava, vibhava, you know, the becoming, got to be something, or annihilation thing. This is, this is, these, are, these are persuasions, inclinations. And, uh, uh, and the Buddha says, you know, there's no one gets free through following these. You don't get free through following these, but if you get clear about what these, what these are doing, and you, you've got to get out of that way of operating. Because they're always about, uh, they always create this image or this sort of shadowy impression of what you could be if only and what you should be, and what, you know, you could have been if you hadn't. 
wasted so many years of your life. You could have been this by now. Or what you, what you will be, you know, if you do this in any time, you know, next, next week you might even be here. <laughs> and if, <laughs> so you get the, these senses and they, they create kind of panic and compulsiveness and guilt and they create very unhealthy energies. So then you get perpetuated in them. And they, they can actually drive your buggy off the road. You know. So you get in this kind of, you know, trying to get rid of things. You can end up really doing yourself a lot of harm. And so certainly, you know, meditators can, can get into some real grief. Some, you know... Uh, by because then though they are intent and they're introspective and they're committed and they're sincere and they put an effort into it, they're putting effort following these persuasions, these, these biases, these persuasions. And they have effects. You know, the the, the Vibhava, the annihilationist effect has an effect, energy has an effect. You start to kind of lose lose it. Oh, the thing is actually good thinking I'm really getting to a non-self experience now the sense of complete you know not not perceiving anything and uh, don't know who I am actually just on the verge of psychosis that's what it means <laughs> or you get this uh, sense of I'm really getting to the the big thing now you know the experience I'm going to have the enlightenment experience the doors of the death is about to pop open which is called uh, Sanya Vipalasa, or distorted perceptions. And you get these cases of people who, you know, one month they're, they're stream enterers, the next month they're in a psychiatric unit. <laughs> yeah. So, you you know, it's always to, to, to recognize that, you know, we, right now we are just looking at what should be done and what should not be done. And one way of you always measuring this out is very much kind of quite mundane, actually, you know, pr- very pragmatic. And it's measuring really against the, the whole sense of the person, you know. What we take ourselves to be, or what we, you know, which is the sense of the physical form, the body, the emotions, uh, the ability, you know, how this, this integrated kit works. Yeah. And although the Buddha said, that, you know, attachment to this as self is, uh, is a mistake, but uh, trying to break through it is even worse. You know, but to see it for what it is, uh, this this sense of this sense of the person as a structure, you know, an integrated structure, where we know who we are, but we know it's just that. You know, it's the ability to to have a thinking clearly, uh, relating to things fully, being warm-hearted. Being sensitive, not being numbed out, not feel, you know, so if, if you get the sense you're not feeling anything, it doesn't mean, you know, you're on the verge of nibbana. It means it's, you're not, you're disconnecting from your heart. Mm-hmm. And also the sense of presence or the bodily sense, which we get from the body. And uh, so as you practice, you can just keep attention, you keep bearing this, well, how's this feeling the body? How's this feeling the, are you relating to it? Are you spaced out? Are you numb? Are you trapped? Are you kind of hypnotized by it? Or can you actually relate to it? Heart is the relational sense. And can you be specific? Can you be clear? Well, it's that, you know, that's the function of the thinking mind. It's not to, to proliferate and waffle and speculate but it's actually to be quite specific the ability to note something this is this that's that you know so if those have to be in place you know that that sense 
you know, the clarity, yeah, and then the quality of of relational sense, empathy. Oh, it feels like this, and then something which, when we experience a feeling or a sensation or sound or activity, there's a sense of you know, you know conscience, concern, empathy, kindness. That's, that's there as a potential. Hmm? And then the third faculty is the sense of we have something that feels, makes us feel grounded. And it's a groundedness, but it's also a groundedness that's spacious. You know, so it's not rigid, but it's that ability to, to bear with. You know, it's like the, the, the firmness of spaciousness. So if spaciousness is just kind of drifting, dithering, that's not what we're looking at. That's not skillful. But the sense of you can hold space, you can hold the present moment without, uh, you know, tightening up, going defensive, blustering, panicking, going wobbly, blaming somebody else. You know, the kind of things that happen when we get rocked. You know, when suddenly things are upsetting or disturbing or disappointing or irritating, then your system goes in this kind of... Who can we blame? (laughs) You know, or uh, blame oneself, blame somebody else. Or if you're frightened, get away from this, I can't handle this, we panic. You know, or we seek something to kind of take take this, the pain away. We look for something, teddy bear to hug, to make us feel safe, comfortable again. So you get these kind of fight, flight, you know, reflexes. But then if you have the firmness, you just, you can feel the impact of, um, you know, things we find shocking or upsetting or disturbing and no, you know, you just have to be with that and keep opening and get the sense of spaciousness. So it's a, it's a firmness that allows things to move through. Yeah. Like what it's like, you know, to to uh, to be in in this uh, life. You know, so much stuff is just getting coming up and being thrown at you and running around and things we don't want, things we feel disappointed by, you just hold presence, you know. Hold yourself present with that and just keep softening. So you get softening and widening. It's not tightening up. It's not having an answer. It's not being brittle. It's a sense of just steady firming up and then inside that, with that quality of mindfulness and presence and, you know, patience, steadiness, you just start to widen, soften, relax. Mm-hmm. So you're coming out of the panic mode, the reactive mode. And you get great uh, strength, but also you get not, not, a, not a, you know, aggressive strength. Or even a, a kind of hard strength, you get a soft strength, strength of, uh, you know, like, like a strength of space. Very often, I find just in my own practice, is when, you know, always there's just always things are, you know, difficulties in. Monastery, difficulties in community, difficulties in sangha, difficulties that people are having, you know, gross conflicts, dissent, you know, anger, frustration. And, you know, oh, we're going to do about all this, goodness gracious me, we're going to do about this. And yeah, you know, you could, you could, one can indeed look at particular causes and think, well, we could do less of that or this or the other. You know, first thing we have to do is actually not tighten up. Start panicking because everything that based upon that is going to be a, a more, you know, just more of the same problem. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's like you can look at, uh, uh, you know, so just actually directly feeling it in your body. 
So I can notice these some sort of solar plexus tightens up. Your shoulders kind of chest starts to hunch, you get defensive, you get kind of start looking for a way out. Or you find something your throat tightens up. Just just soften and widen and relax that. Now that's not a kind of cave-in because you're, you're still present, you're still with that, but you hold yourself in, at the place of contact with things that are confusing or upsetting and just soften and widen. So you're, you're actually making full use of the, of the, of the, this, the, the body's energy, subtle energy. Because whenever we tighten up, we actually cut things off. We, we, we lose some of that capacity. You know, a panicking mind has less capacity than a calm mind. It seems to be doing a lot, but what it's doing is winding itself up. <laughs> That's why, you know, calm doesn't mean kind of spacing out and, put, you know, drifting off, and, but actually calm in the presence of the agitation is where that takes a lot of strength. And then you get the maximum capacity. A mind that is lighter is actually more skillful than a mind that's heavy. Again, this is a bias that we need to work against because often people feel the more intense they're practicing, the better. The more seriously they take their practice, the better. Really serious, really, really serious practice. You know, goodness. You know, and actually, this practice is too important to take it seriously. You know, if you, it's, it's much too, it's too big to take it seriously. If you're taking it serious, then you, what you're doing is looking at it through a, a, a constricted mind. Now, I'm playing with that idea, really, because, yeah, I mean, this, this means full on. But you recognize that the, the serious mind is only one, one set of aspects of mind. There's also the loving mind, the playful mind, the gentle mind, the spacious mind. You've got to use all of it. You can't just be, you know, tight and intense about everything all the time. Because then your mind screws up. And you get these particular energies, either an intense wish to get somewhere or intense wish to, you know, persuade, these persuasions take over. You find yourself driving, you know, driving to get in or driving to get out of samsara. The point is, if you've if you widen and soften, samsara starts to deconstruct. You don't have to get out of it or patch it up. It starts to, you know, it's like a, it's like well, it's like you have a, a something that's woven, tightly woven, like a fabric that's tightly woven. Yeah. Now, if you get intense about it, what you tend, what tends to happen is you you compress it. It gets even tighter, but if there's a softer, lighter approach, the fibers start to open up, and you can see it's just this. Yeah, it's just this. It's just this. It's the lighter quality. Mm. You know, I like to think that enlightenment's going to make me a bit lighter, rather than heavier and heavier and heavier, until I'm really heavy and intense and serious and grim and pushy and you know tightened up into a little knot. <laughs> I mean, and you see the kind of things that can get on that 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 buggy, you know, impurity being intensely pure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> intensely mindful, dear. Uh, you know, <laughs> does it have to? Does it, you know, is it like that? Where does that go? But it's not just kind of dozing off, but it's a sense of there's a firmness that's spacious. And it really, when you get past, you begin to understand these signs, the bhava, vibhava, which always intensify everything. So you've got got to get out of that, that captivating sense that you should be and you will be and you could be and you ought to be by now or you never will be 
or you shouldn't be, you really got to stop being. You know, stop following that one and just look at what you're doing right now. And it won't actually be a decision that you're doing. It's it's a it's an activity in your nervous system. Don't feel it in your body. Feel yourself fidgeting. Feel yourself spacing out. Feel yourself kind of getting the agitations that make one kind of fancy something, you know, or, or defensive, and then soften and widen and include it all. So I like to, you know, sometimes I taught uh, like a, almost a three, three modes, three steps in practice. One is pay attention. You know, really pay attention to what's happening now, to where you, what's going on for you now, how it's feeling now. Pay attention to how it feels in your body, feels in your heart. Whether your mind is blustering and flustering and scrambling, you should know that by now. Pay attention when it's kind of fudging issues or it's going to a bit of a, a blur or fluster. What's happening? Don't not judge me. It's just just. Just let's clear what's happening. You know, everybody gets this. What's happening? Okay, you know. Pay attention to that. There's the there's the bits. There, that's the place of where contact. Something's happening. Something's activating you. Getting stirred up by something. Yeah. See these stories that start spinning out. About what you are, what's happening? Now, this is why we develop in meditation in order to to pay attention. So you begin to detect these these uh, um, shifts, alarm signals, shifts, another. And there's a whole science, isn't there, in how to pay attention. It's not just through your head or your eyes, but through your through your body. Pay attention with your body. Listen with your body. Listen with your guts. What's happening there? Listen with in your throat. What's happening there? Listen in your forehead. What's happening there? So you pay attention. Hmm? And second is uh, soften and widen. Everything compulsive tends to push us, direct us, get us going somewhere or another, just stop, pause. It takes, you know, take the energy, soften it. And then widen, which means you get everything, the compulsive tends to push us towards particular points of things we've got to have or things we've got to do or things that are happening to us you know, and you feel really in a jam in a sense of widening soften and widen and you can do this with uh, bodily awareness with mindfulness of breathing with metta bhavana loving kindness meditations these are all qualities that, that soothe this is what samatha is about yeah. You get a sense of coming out of the of the blur, coming out of the panic, coming out of the the, the grief. You know, you're tightening up and you're collapsing. Mm. Breathing through that. So, you know, once we've begun to underneath this kind of bubbling sea of thoughts and moods and images and pictures, you begin to when you pay attention, what's that one? feel this kind of disturbance something's disturbing and there are very basic energies uh, we could, you know fear which means it could be anxiety uncertainty it's quite a natural experience that we have doesn't mean we're in a state of blind terror, but we feel apprehensive or uncertain about the future or about the present or about who are who we are with others. You know, we're not quite 
confident with that. We feel a little bit risky. That's natural enough, isn't it? Just check that. And on top of that, you can get all kinds of uh, ideas and notions about what you are or aren't, or people think of you, or you ought to do, or you should be by now. Just based on this sense of of uh, fear, anxiety. And we also have the quality of uh, of rage. It's a very strong word, but this feeling of bristling, defensive going to prove myself, I'm a free person, my mom, you know, they're not going to tell me what to do, kind of, how dare they? <laughs> you know, so you get various little stories come bubbling off the top of that one, about, you know, the, the wrongs that have been done to me. <laughs> are they, you know, where is the self? Why is that happening now, you know? How come all these, you get all these incidents from the past and pictures of other people and you're sitting in your room on your own where all these people come in from it's coming from you know coming from your, your, your rage faculty you know fear, rage and weak you'll see, you get a sense of grief, loss, sadness you know, these are things that we all feel as, as humans separation you know disappointments being hurt mm. And then you go into that, you can bring all kind of depressive thoughts and hopelessness and resignation or guilt and, and things of this nature. And it's actually, it's just sad. <laughs> but the, when it comes up, you know, so when it comes up to the personality level, then, then it often kind of diffuses into this whole mirage of shimmering thoughts and scenarios and I am this and they are that, and she's always this, and I never get that, and I'm really going to be this, and nobody's going to tell me about that, and him, you know, he comes my way again, I'll sort him out, kind of thing. You know, where do all these people in your head get their energy from? (laughs) Where do they arise from? (laughs) You know, where do these events from the past arise from? How come they're visiting now? So we start to recognize these kind of, uh, you know, these programs that are there. And they just start bringing things up. It's quite normal, particularly on retreat, where you're not adding too much more events. So in, uh, you know, Sometimes in monastic life you really aren't doing a lot of special events. Not really getting, you know, the great thing going. So what comes up is all this, uh, these perceptions and images coming from these unresolved energies and not say are latent tendencies. There's quite a few of them, but. (laughs) And then the big, the the really uh, difficult one is the tendency to to make this into a person. You know, so the, you know, the person becomes a a kind of a, a collage of all these, you know, uh, unresolved memories and perceptions. Well, actually, there is such a uh, uh, there is a thing such as a personality structure, which really it's quite imageless. It's just the ability to be clear, the ability to be empathic, and the ability to be firm and spacious. That kind of that's what our fundamental individuality is about. It's like a almost like a frame with no picture in it, and then we keep putting pictures in that frame, you know, filling it up with the Histories and the scenarios of, of these uh, of these that these energies provide. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when you, 
So when you meditate, very often we actually get quite absorbed in those impressions and images. They may, you know, they may be, and, and these are these uh, uh, sankharas don't just bring up Im- images and impressions that, you know, seem to relate to events that have happened in one's life, but also bring up kind of more subtle impressions, uh, you know, otherworldly impressions, lights and colours and visions and feelings and energies and this, that, and the other. And sometimes it's really wow, wow, this is. You know, because it's it's not so normal. We think, well, this is really important having a special experience here. So you, you know, when you get that idea in your mind, be very careful because the main thing to keep putting attention into is the, is the structure, the frame. You know that you remain grounded, you remain empathic, and you remain clear, as you can you can. Specify, definite, this is what's happening. You get a sense of being able to relate to it in a skillful way, you know, with spaciousness or patience or, you know, like that. And then you, you, you get the sense of a groundedness. You, know, you can be with that. Those are the things you want to put your energies into, not into the picture, but into the frame. Because the funny thing about it is the picture isn't important. It's the framework that's important. And yet, of course, we're always interested in the picture. And the, you know, and the sense is that one day we'll get a picture called Nibbana. It will be like we like an empty picture, a blank paper or misty picture. But actually, there's no picture. There's not some state that you then get to have or witness. Nibbana is the is the wisdom to know what whatever is witnessed, seen, cognized, subtle, gross, internal, external, skillful, unskillful. This is not something to adopt, to take as self, to hang on to to get these bhava-vibhava energies going around, to either attack it or to, or to fondle it. It's just, so Nibbana is like a, a frame, moves around, sees nothing. You know, it's just like seeing life without attachment, without these persuasions of becoming and non-becoming, where instead of leaping in through the frame and trying to hold and fill it up with some picture or image or sense or we're just not doing that anymore. It's the ending of that particular habit of becoming and not becoming. But yet this the basic framework can remain there. You know, the fundamental structure, in fact that's part of it. You know, and the Buddha said in these, the, the, what it's sometimes defined, this is the five aggregates, the ability to perceive things, the ability to feel things, the sense of form, consciousness, the ability to have something be experienced, be present with something, and volition, the ability to respond to things. He said these can be like hired servants who turn into assassins, you think they're your friends and they do you in. <laughs> but if they're properly handled, so that they're, they're, they're bay, these will become a source of joy and tremendous strength. So we're not trying to break anything up, but just to see it more clearly out of this uh, this habit of adopting or denying. Mm. You know, you just kind of sense that, that middle line. Yeah. Almost like letting things speak for themselves without these additions. Without this kind of fiddling and fussing and 
Hmm? So, uh, to me, there's a kind of a, a sense of a, a softening, widening. It's like some, it was like stepping back. Yeah, pay attention, soften and widen. Come out of the reactive mode. And lastly, include it all. Include it all. It means include include the spiritual, (laughs) the non-spiritual. It means include the whole day. It also means include, you know, the the uh, be notice, take notice, attend to the inspired, the disappointed, the playful, the serious. Mm. Because if you don't include it, one of those, one of these qualities, will remain covered by ignorance. And then it will come and stab you in the back. <laughs> It'll be the bit you miss out. Yeah. So include it doesn't mean we kind of particularly favour it. It's just the recognition all this has to be understood or or held within the frame of the practice. And you can notice uh, notice quite helpful things in that way. I'm just noticing today, you know, how when I start to just writing writing a letter, and I write a letter, and I stop. I have to get it done quickly. Actually, I don't have to get it done quickly. Why does why do I have to write so fast? You know, I've got. Having my, it's got an hour over breakfast. I mean, you know, just writing a, a note to somebody to explain something. I'm sending them a paper, just a note. I don't have to rush over it. There's no hurry. Why does it have to be scribbled? You know, when I tidy my room up, why do I have to rush around doing it? <laughs> you know, noticing things like that. You know, it's kind of compulsive energies to. Get it sorted out and finish it. Get to the end of it, and then it'll be over. And then, but of course it isn't, because that very energy starts to to pick up other things that need to be done. So it's like you know you actually flypaper. You keep patting the flypaper to get rid of it, and you wonder why your hands are getting gummed up. You start to notice particular habit patterns, and then, hmm, what's happening? Oh, you know, and you, you know, kind of, you keep working on those, those energies to get rid of things, to get to the end of things, to get to the good space that will happen after the washing up. Get the washing up over to when you have the good space when, Yeah? Why don't you have the good space now while you're doing the washing up? <laughs> you know, that's, that's what Bhava will be Bhava like in, in daily life. Get this over with so we can get to the good bit. What good bit? <laughs> you know, we project it, don't we? What will that good be? It will be, I'll be happy, peaceful, relaxed, open. Well, why don't you do that now? Yeah. Rather than try to be it, why don't you do it? <laughs> you know, why don't you change gear and do it? So you know, there is there is a certain message in these these kind of um, telegrams one sends oneself, like you know, get to the good space. It's, it's a certain truth in it. But the problem is we handle these messages in the wrong way. We don't really pay attention. So we interpret it the wrong way. So rather than be in the future, understand what that message is and do it now. Do it now.
So everything in our, in our, in our life, in a way we operate, is there's messages we can learn. The signals it's giving us. Yeah. And sometimes the signals like somebody talking to you in Swahili, you can't quite get it. What's he trying to say? <laughs> you know, some kind of funny thoughts or funny ideas. What's, what's the feeling like? What's the, the emotion like? Okay, what's the bodily sense like? Ah, now you're getting it. So you pay attention in a holistic way. I've noticed this very often when people ask questions, they'll ask a question. And it's, it's, they're asking a question as it forms in their head. And, uh, my daughter is this, that, and you know, and I'm worried about what she, how I could make her become this, that, or the other. And she, you know, this, that, she's going to. So asking how she can change her daughter, how she can make a, improve her relationship with her daughter, how she can change her daughter, why her daughter's like this, and, you know, working on how I, what should I do about her daughter? It's the wrong question. The question is, how do you deal with worry? Because <laughs> that's what you're feeling right now. Or it's a question about, you know, I'm concerned about my son's so sick and ill, and what I can help. The question is, how does compassion manifest? So we've got a question that forms in the head, but actually the answer is, the question is really coming from the heart, and the answer is a heart question. So when you pay attention, it's a holistic sense. Don't just believe in the, the thought formations, but don't dismiss them either. But see, what's happening in your heart, in your sense of concern or mood or effect? Something's interesting you or bothering you. What is that effect? Is it, you know, uncertainty, nervousness, worry, guilt, fear? What's really happening there? And also in your body, is your stomach tightening up? Are your shoulders hunching? Is your throat closing? Yeah. What are your hands doing? Just try to... F- then then, it will, then you'll, you'll get it. It'll translate into something very simple. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's this practice. It, we come to very immediate and simple points. Yeah. Just take your time, you know. You're not under guilt. You're not following into obligation. You don't have to pay off a debt. Oh, you know, where did that one come from? Mm-hmm. And then from that place of then, you see, you come back into this the integrated system, which is a holistic thing of the, the body, the heart, the thinking mind, you know. And that's, that's, that's where the practice integrates. That's where the results of the purifications and the clarity and the wisdom integrates into being a more clearly functioning person. Doesn't mean it's an identity, but it's, it's uh, you know, hopefully this practice doesn't make me dysfunctional and weird as a person. <laughs> you know? Sometimes these, they get it, like, well, it seems like that. Say, so, well, you know, it's enlightened master, he's kind of crabby and weird, but he's enlightened, you know. Even though he's crabby and weird, because uh, he's, he's, you know, he's beyond. But, you know, I remember I was talking to, was a few years ago, it was a couple who'd come back from Thailand, and they were arahants, you know, and they were kind of, seemed quite angry and, and, uh, and uh, tyrannical. And they said, well, arahants can be angry. You know, it's just, just manifestations, but underneath it is pure. And it's almost saying, well, but I'm angry already. What's the point of being an arahant and being angry? Because I'm already angry. <laughs> I don't need to be an arahant to be angry. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, it's actually the, the, the more, the results of it is that, you know, again, it's kind of very simple, kind of almost humble. Because, because you, but you can trust that, that very mundane sense. 
Because you get into subtle senses, yeah, it could be right. But where you really can know it is, is when it becomes integrated into the way you speak, the way you act, the way you are the people, you're not demanding, you're not fearful, you're not apologizing for existence, you're not taking over other people, but there's a sense of, this is me, this is you, this, you know. And that's clear, there's not this kind of funny feeling between going on. Um, you know, so there's a relational clarity. And you know where you are, you know, you, you body, you're embodied. So there are, there are, the results can be checked out against this very humble, mundane thing that we have, the kind of the, the apparent person. It's not an identity, it's not a self, but it's a very, it's, a, it's the thing that we, that we can operate through. And it gives you the readings on where you're going wrong, it gives you the readings when you're getting it right. So pay attention to that. Open up, widen, include, and include it all. And then you know what to do. You know what you, what what actions are occurring that are not for your welfare. Anyone.